Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Talevi, and joining me to tackle your questions this evening are Jean-Pierre Fester from Protea Capital Management and Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers. If you'd like to send us questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bvtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Jean-Pierre, Rowan, uh, good evening to you both. Nice to see you there. Uh, Rowan, not a great day for the JSE today, down about 0.6% uh, or thereabouts, and some shares coming under particular pressure including um, the old favourite, Tungela. And there's a question on that, so I may, I may as well start with that tonight, uh, if you don't mind, and then maybe we can go into the broader market discussion. But uh, the question is, uh, the price dropped to under 270 and came down from its high of 382 rand, which of course it hits a couple of months ago. Do you think it'll go lower? And the financial year enders next month, do you think they'll pay another good dividend? I mean, is that really the million dollar question for Tungela? Yeah, so if you have a look at uh, the um, key input or the, 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 the key product, really, is uh, coal and uh, thermal coal. We've seen um, a significant increase, but then a significant moderation in the price of coal. So coal has actually gone back to the prices it was in January. Um, and so they had a very long period, where, uh, or long, a reasonable period of, of, of production and operation, where prices were very elevated and obviously earnings very elevated. But... More recently, uh, we've seen obviously the commodity price moderate, but also importantly other challenges, uh, load shedding, production challenges, and also importantly transit strike and rail challenges. So those coupled together obviously are going to weigh quite significantly on earnings. And while they may in the latest reporting period still produce some stellar numbers, you've got to look at the forward numbers and uh, those are going to moderate significantly. Uh, just in terms of how much they've sold mm -hmm. and then also how much they've produced and then at, at uh, what price they've sold it at. So um, the price, I think, certainly will come down from here. I think what you can see is a fairly large dividend baked in because they've made uh, the numbers and achieved the earnings. So they'll distribute that to shareholders. But thereafter, the prospects are going to dim quite considerably. Still very good, but from you know very elevated levels. Mm -hmm. So I think... Particularly when the share goes ex-div, I think you can see the share drop again quite significantly. So um, prospects have moderated, yeah, yeah. significantly. Um, Jean-Pierre, is this uh, the curse of the low PE stock where you look at it and you look at something like an ArcelorMittal or you look at a Tungela and think, but the PE is under five times. And they think it's, it's, it must be cheap, but actually it's, there's a warning baked in there um, to the share price. It's particularly with resources stocks. Absolutely. I would call it the curse of the cyclical company or the cyclical <laughs> earnings profile. And normally when, you're, when your PE is at its lowest, it means your cyclical earnings are at its highest. And that's why the PE is so low. And similarly, when your PE is in, in infinite or even negative, when the company is probably loss-making, that's actually when it is the cheapest. Because chances are it's loss-making at the bottom of the cycle. Mm. at the bottom of the cyclicality of the earnings. So we should be buying these types of cyclical stocks, typically commodity companies, when the PEs are high or negative, when at the bottom of the cycle. And the way to try and, and then see exactly where you are in the cycle, instead of looking at earnings, is look at another metric, for instance, price to book. So in a share that's very cyclical in its earnings, 
trades at a premium to its book value. It's expensive, even though it might be on a low PE. And when it trades at a significant discount to its book value, irrespective of the PE, if you think that the cyclical earnings can recover, it is relatively cheap. Mm. So it's just another metric to look at rather than earnings. And yet we get this wrong all the time. And you'll hear people talk and, and investment professionals talk about, um, you know, it's, it's trading on a low PE and, and this is the reason I'm buying it. I mean, is the other um, unknown here what happens to the coal price? Because, I mean, Rowan's saying, you know, you've got coal prices moderating. Um, Rowan, I think I spoke to Willem Alderwager, your, your colleague, the other day uh, for the Financial Mail, and he was talking about... Um, backwardation in terms of the or, or, or what the, or the the expected future coal price and 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 actually yeah. what it's telling you about where it's headed but if if the market is wrong about that and actually the coal price had to stay at these levels or in fact increase then you'd probably still want to own Tungela, right yeah so often with these um the reason is these the earnings are cyclical is because there's a cycle to the commodity price um, as there's a supply disruption and uh, increased demand, as we saw with the coal because of uh, the war in Ukraine and uh, the uh, supply, the gas disruption supply in Europe. So there was significant demand for coal and so the price went up. As that supply crunch moderated and part of the problem with the high prices, it attracts uh, marginal production. And so that um, <clears throat> supply issue goes away, demand increases as a dem demand response. Prices come down, so there will be a cyclicality to commodity prices. Together is a single commodity producer compared to diversified miners, so they're more exposed to the coal price cycle. And yes, essentially, a lot of the investment case of Together is your forecast on the coal price. So if you think there will be uh, continued disruptions and you're bullish on coal, you can be bu bullish on, on Together. Yeah. But um, I think the important thing is, the, the, the high prices tend to moderate quite quickly, and that's where the cyclicality comes in. So we're not that bullish on, on coal prices, and hence the, 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 the sort of call on, on together. Yeah. Jean-Pierre, in fact, I think, um, and I spoke to you last, this time around about last year, we were doing um, a cover uh, for the Financial Mail on... Um, on, on kind of greenwashing or the, or the unexpected <laughs> benefits of, of the, the, the green economy. And actually, um, we were talking about how uh, companies like Shell or Tungela were actually going to do well, um, ironically enough. And you had bought Tungela shares, but I wonder if you still own them or if you sold them already. Uh, we, we sold them and we bought them back and then we sold them again and then we bought them back very recently <laughs> again. So <laughs> we've been all over, but it's been probably our... Um, our single biggest contributor to profits in our hedge funds for the past year. It's done really well for us, yes. Mm, okay. Um, then another question. Uh, during the course of last week, your guests advised selling Alviva shares to avoid the opportunity cost of waiting for a firm offer because, of course, they're subject to a buyout offer. Um, another factor to consider is surely the possibility of the offer being increased if the first offer is rejected. Um, uh, Rowan... Uh, Alviva, I mean, my colleague Mark Carsonfuss writes about this for the FM and, and how just spectacularly ignored it was by the market. Um, and then this this bid um, has pushed up the price dramatically. But based on the, the last set of results that they came out with, he was saying there's argument to be made for a higher offer. Do you think that is likely in, um, in the works? Or do you think people should take, well, um, where, where the share price is at now, cash out and move on? 
Yeah, so we've seen quite a few of these uh, mid and small cap counters where they're questioning the value of their listing and uh, there's been a delisting. Um, they've, they've gone back to become being a private business and often it involves the insiders. So some of the significant uh, shareholders or management or founders of the business that are still part of the listed entity deciding to exit uh, OneLogix is an example of that and there have been a number of others. So I think uh, you're unlikely to see an increase in, in the, the offer. They may want to canvas shareholders and just get a sense of um, the sort of appetite at that price. But you would think they've done some of their homework on that. And uh, I guess given that there's been a cautionary, you know, the, a lot of the premium is in the, is in the price, as, as investors are saying. So it depends what kind of investor you are. If you think you could recycle the capital here, you know, it's, there's no certainty that an offer will actually um, arise and you can deploy the capital elsewhere in, in cheap stocks, it might make sense. So if your cost of capitals, you see an opportunity cost. But if you think it's still worth holding for the cash and you've got surplus cash potentially that you haven't deployed, then it's probably worth holding. So it really much depends on where you are on your opportunity cost curve. But I think they'll, they'll go at the, I think it was around 25 Rand they were yeah. proposing. So um, I don't think they will increase that. I mean, there was talk of 30 rand, uh, potentially a share um, that some investors might be pushing for. Jean-Pierre, I mean, if, if you had a look at Alviva and if you had a look at its recent results, would you say it's worth it's a 30 rand a share company at this point? We hold Alviva shares and I do think it's worth more than 25 rand. I think 30 <laughs> rand would be would be a reasonable buyout. I would say that, wouldn't I? And <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, part of the reason book. is, like you said... <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's because it's been um, just ignored for so long. So, Julieta, he, he does not have such a cyclical earnings profile, but he's trading on a low PE. So it's one of those where there's actually, there, there does seem to be a lot of value. And um, the one thing I would say in the latest results is they went through a wonderful period till very recently with a lot of people upgrading their computers so you can use, you, use Zoom and Microsoft Teams and whatever you needed to do to work from home. That um, big purple patch is now over, so it's been more difficult in the more recent months. But if you take a longer-term view, I think the, the BE partner and the management team that are potentially going to buy this business out at 25 Rand are going to do extremely well. So I really hope that some of the minorities push them to, to rather offer something like 30 Rand. I think that would be a fair outcome. Mm. Although you can understand their frustration um, at being ignored by the market for so long, and it's only really in the last 18 months that anything has happened. But um, to some extent, they had a, a, a sort of, they traded under a, a funk of suspicion um, with regards to a few dodgy contracts, not quite as bad as EOH. Uh, but, and I mean, if we look at Alviva and, and we look at EOH and, and you look at how long it's taken for the market to start rewarding Alviva in their efforts to grow earnings, etc., would you say that EOH is going to be a long haul before you see any sort of you know, major re-rating in its share price? Uh, Aron, maybe asking you. Yeah, I think uh, in the case of EOH, permanent damage was done <clears throat> to the business, the business prospects, obviously, uh, its brand, its market position, and uh, it's had to essentially look to significantly uh, reduce the size of the business, sell a number of assets, um, rebuild the balance sheet, repay debt. So I think uh, you're right, it is a very long road. It appears that they still may have to do a rights issue. 
there is some debt coming up for refinance, I believe, in early 2023. And uh, they've done a very good job of cleaning it up, but uh, they've got to reduce the overhead, obviously, that now that they've got a much uh, smaller business or group. Um, so it's significantly challenging. And um, as I said, I think that there was permanent destruction of value, and that's not going to change. So you've got to look at it on its prospects, but with a, a potential uh, rights issue pending, there's no, it doesn't seem to be a, a rush to, to invest there. I mean, something like Alviva, I think, is much better value, much safer bet. You've got an underpin of a potential offer yeah. with a um, reasonable business prospect. So, um, yeah, if you had to say, you know, large sort of IT services businesses, yeah, <laughs> Alviva certainly looks much more attractive. Yeah. Jean-Pierre, your thoughts, I mean, Rowan was saying it's going to be a long, hard road ahead. They've got the capital raise that they have to do. I mean, they have intimated that there's going to be a rights offer, but they haven't yet actually set at what price it's going to take place. Although I think I saw Anchor reckoning maybe a 30% discount to where the shares are trading now. Um, is this something that would tempt you at any point? Uh, or do you think it's just going to be capital that's um, locked up in a stock that, that you're not going to get much of a return on for a, for a very long time? Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because it's one struggle to get the you struggle to get the feel for the normal earnings, and we've spoken about cyclical earnings. We've spoken about more sustainable earnings. Sometimes you get earnings that are not cyclical, but for various reasons the current earnings are not sustainable, and EOH has got a lot of once-offs in there, mm. which makes it difficult to really know what the sustainable earnings are. Uh, they will do a rights issue. It could be significant dilution. You, you, you know, it could even be that the number of shares outstanding double, uh, that it doubles, and that would be highly diluted. So um, I would be enticed after the share price, after the price of the rights issue is announced. One can see how much dilution there is going to be, and one gets a feel for the normal sustainable earnings. But until that point, I do think that um, EOH is a little bit like a dead man walking. The share price will just trundle along as people expect a rights issue to come. Yeah, okay. Well, seeing as we're talking about all the sort of stocks and life support <laughs> on the JSC, or those that have been on life support, uh, there's a question on NAMPAC, um, which is uh, also um, in quite a, a curious position, partly because it's done better. So it had to, it's had to, um, uh, it, it needs a lot of working capital because demand for its products has been higher. But of course, that's put pressure on its finances. So it's a very curious situation to find itself in. And the question uh, is, any reason for Nampac's almost 12% jump today? Should I hold on to my shares? Uh, Rowan, was there anything in particular behind today's move? Um, but more broadly, um, is Nampac a stock that you would cling on to? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's quite an interesting investment case. I don't think there was any specific news flow today. Um, but as you said, uh, that was a uh, yeah, company that got into financial distress. Um, then there was a significant increase in demand for its product and uh, has actually been trading much better. But cash flows haven't been that great. I think from the financier's perspective, as long as they see trading good, they'll be willing to extend those covenant periods and give them further grace because they know that... Uh, the assets have value and that uh, the business is better alive and uh, obviously uh, trading than, than sort of being liquidated. So mm. I think they, they've managed that quite well um, with their bankers. We have seen it uh, sort of being touted as sort of an ESG stock, which is quite interesting because um, aluminium cans, yes, 
are much more environmentally friendly and recyclable um, than uh, other packaging mediums, and particularly, obviously, single-use plastic. Yeah. And so uh, expecting an upsurge in demand and an increase in demand. So and so a sustainable future. So I think it uh, once it and it looks like it will be able to degear and repair the balance sheet. So while the sort of uh, gearing is very high, the, the share tends to be very um, volatile because the equity portion is very thin. But as uh, as it uh, repays debt, that increases and the volatility actually decreases, cost of capital declines, the share should appreciate. So I think it is an interesting one. It has this ESG angle, as I said. So, mm. uh, yeah, quite a speculative buy opportunity, I think. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, Jean-Pierre, this is another investment case um, study where you don't want to be in hock to your bankers, where the bankers essentially are calling the shots um, I, I, I yes. suppose it's not quite at, at that point, but it's close. Um, uh, do you think there's going to be a rights offer for NAMPAC? Because there was also some talk about whether or not it would have to raise capital from the market. Yes, I do think there's a, a high probability of a, uh, of a capital raise by NAMPAC. I think it was touch and go that they might get away with it if it wasn't for the working capital issues. But we've spoke about the cyclicality of earnings already. There's also a cash flow cycle. And if you have companies with a very steep and deep cash flow cycle, you can think of Omnia, for instance, that was forced to a rights issue because of working capital. You can think of Tongard, that is in business res rescue because of working capital. Uh, you can think of Clough, that Marion Roberts sold for almost nothing today, uh, that they announced early this morning, because of working capital requirements. So this is another one. So it shows you that uh, even though your earnings might not be as cyclical as you as you think compared to other companies. Your working capital cycle can create enormous strength on a balance sheet. Yeah. And because of NAMPAC's bad working capital cycle, I do think the probability of a, of a rights issue is quite high. But I mean, you mentioned two companies where you've had two uh, absolutely different outcomes. So Tongart and Omnia. And a lot of people would have written Omnia off at the point at which it went to the market to raise money. And they said, it's just totally overgeared. It's a cyclical company. It's got all these um, uh, cash flow issues. And yet look at it now. It really, it worked its way out of it. So whereas Tongart has kind of gone the opposite way. Um, I mean, maybe for investors, at what point do you know that you're making the right call? At the, well, that the company is actually it's going to it's going to pull through and it's going to do okay or is that impossible to say and it's a case-by-case -case basis maybe jean-pierre just sticking with you and rowan then i'll get your thoughts you never know in advance but what i would say is if the f word is involved fraud then the chances are lower so because of dumbart it means um you couldn't you couldn't bank the profits of the past you didn't know if they, those were real profits because of the the shenanigans and that's why it was even more difficult than, well, something like Omnia, you knew what the historical earnings were. They were just cyclical. So they had a yeah. higher probability of coming out of the, the difficulty. Yeah. Uh, Rowan, I suppose, and, and Nampak's never had any such issues. It's, more, it's been more, maybe the jurisdictions it's gone into, Nigeria, Angola, having money tied up in those countries, mm -hmm. depressed South African demand, but there's been no intimation that anything untoward has ever happened there. 
No, I think you, you're right. I mean, what, what is of concern is the repatriation of those profits uh, over time. And we've seen even MTN struggle with that. They have done you know, some upstreaming recently, but also at what exchange rate, the official rate or the black market rate. So you know, what are the earnings if you convert them at a sort of more market-related exchange rate? So that has been a challenge for them. But I think in terms of the Omnia sort of case study, what it does show is that a well-targeted rights issue um, can make all the difference, that the business becomes properly capitalized, it doesn't have to be under financial stress, does need a bigger balance sheet, as Jean-Pierre is pointing out, in terms of uh, the working capital cycle. And once it is properly capitalized and uh, doesn't have the bankers breathing down their neck and management's neck, the business can operate properly and um, look to generate profit, make proper investment and business decisions yeah. and, uh, and and create a lot of value. So I think there is the potential for that. So they might need the rights issue to become a properly capitalized business in the case of NAMPAC, but it then can potentially flourish from there. Yeah. Okay. And then just last question before I get to your stock picks. And speaking of companies, well, uh, either on death row or hospital passes, there's a question actually on hospital companies themselves. Um, and the question is, the hospital groups have earnings results coming up soon. As a post-COVID recovery story, which hospital group do you prefer, NetCare or Life Healthcare? Rowan, sticking with you, there was a lot of expectation that these would be kind of the bounce back stocks, but it hasn't quite worked out this year. And maybe that's just because of a general market malaise. Would you look at any of the hospital groups on the JSE? And if so, which ones? Yeah, there have been good sort of uh, COVID recovery plays. We saw significant decline in, in demand, uh, elective surgeries in particular, and uh, so occupancies were lower. But we have seen a return of that, um, of, of, of demand and improving uh, revenue growth. Uh, we much prefer NetCare. Uh, what you're seeing, NetCare, I think, was particularly um, hurt by COVID and uh, reduction in demand and it's seeing a recovery, their margins also slowly recovering to pre-COVID levels, which has been a part of the problem. Obviously, there were significant costs on the PPE side while they were operating under COVID. So that's going away. Demand's improving as some operating, uh, operating leverage. In the case of Life Healthcare, um, they're seeing a, a reduction in demand on the scanning side in the UK. So actually, COVID, uh, they saw a sort of benefit from COVID, mm. which is going away. And uh, so we are, we think uh, NetCare has a better recovery profile from here than Life Healthcare. Okay. Jean-Pierre, do you, um, your thoughts or do you look at any other international groups, maybe? Uh, sure. I, I like the U.S. hospital groups a lot more. Uh, there's some huge um, uh, U.S. healthcare groups like the, the HCA group. And uh, and for me, they are they are better than South African hospital groups. Life Healthcare, as Rona said, did benefit from COVID in a certain way, but they also have potential upside from a uh, uh, Alzheimer's drug that is being trialed and might be a breakthrough where some of their product might be using those scans. But that's a bit of a, a blue sky, low probability event. So we'll need to see what happens. But I prefer the US because. Okay. All right. Well, getting to your stock picks this evening um, and staying with you, Jean-Pierre, what takes your fancy? I'm going to pick a local stock, uh, which is something I not do too regularly these days, but uh, Togol Gaming, uh, it owns um, some casinos, including Monte Casino, Gull Reef City, uh, um, Suncoast Casino, and um, they also own some alternative gaming businesses, limited payout machines and bingo uh, uh, halls, effectively. And after the lockdowns, people are going out again. It looks like all the restaurants are busy. People are gambling again. They're going to the bingo halls. 
paying limited payout machines going to the casino. And uh, I think that we haven't quite seen the full benefit of that recovery uh, in the results. They will come out with results before the end of November. And I'm expecting a very good set of results from Togo Sun Game. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think myself and Olok told my, uh, one of my colleagues at the FM that he was sort of feeling optimistic for the first time in two years. So, um, so hopefully his optimism is borne out by the numbers. Um, Rowan, uh, what worth would, a gamble. Oh, yeah, in, indeed. Although I have to say I have not seen a bingo hall other than on any sort of um, slightly B-grade British movie. So I don't know where these bingo halls are, but there you go. Um, Rowan, what would you be buying? We are choosing Carp Agree. Uh, it's a sort of a diversified agricultural group. They're also involved in fuel distribution. Um, it recently, a significant part of the shareholding was unbundled as part of the, the PSG unbundling and delisting. And so there has been somewhat of an overhang on the shares. So certain shareholders received their, their Carp Agree shares and chose to sell them. It, talking about low P stocks, it is a low P stock, single digits. Uh, they did put out a trading update uh, just before the, the um, unbundling, showing good revenue growth. There's good underlying demand. The agricultural sector continues to do, do well. Trading conditions are good. Uh, the granaries are trading well. The fuel distribution business is doing well. They recently made an acquisition in that space, and that will be earnings accretive as well. So you've basically got a low P uh, stock with, with reasonable uh, dividend prospects and uh, an earnings growth. So it looks mm. uh, good here. All right, gents, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, Jean-Pierre Fester is from Protea Capital Management. Rowan Williams is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. And I will be back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Have a good evening. <laughs>